Welcome to another episode of the Criminal Law Department Presents podcast, a production of the Criminal Law Department at the Judge Advocate General's Legal Center and School in Charlottesville, Virginia. Every two weeks, we release a new episode. Today, we're going to have a conversation about a recent opinion from the Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces. Please note that these episodes may contain facts and circumstances surrounding criminal trials. Listener discretion is advised. Arise! Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. The Honorable United States Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces is now open and in session. God save the United States of America and this Honorable Court. Hello, this is Major Steve Dre and Lieutenant Colonel Sean Lister. Lieutenant Colonel Sean Lister, ADC Chair Actual, ADC 6. Uh, back with another episode of Calf Chats. We've got U.S. versus Black today. This is a pretty good case, sir. You want to kick it off with the facts? Sure. So in this case, the uh, the accused unit uh, was at JRTC uh, for an exercise. Um, as part of the their responsibilities, uh, the accused and several of the other soldiers had to pull guard shifts. And so when the accused came off his guard shift, he loaned his cell phone to his friend, PFC Avery, whose phone was broken. And he told him that he could use his phone to text, make phone calls, play games, and watch YouTube. And he didn't make any other explicit restrictions to other areas of the phone. It was just silent to whatever else he could do with the phone. But he- and that's important here, right? We've got a specific discussion about that authorization that he gave and what that means and yeah. what it doesn't mean, right? Yeah, it's going to become really important. Uh, as we go through the case and and the and really the the holding turns on that fact. Uh, so while PSC Avery had the phone, um, he accidentally opened up the uh, the photo gallery. A notification came in. And he tried to get rid of the notification. When he did, when he swiped, the photo gallery opened up, and he noticed some photographs of clothed female members of the unit. Um, and the pictures appeared to be focused on their buttocks. And so he thought that was improper and notified his acting first sergeant. Acting first sergeant came down and looked at the photographs that PFC Avery showed him. And then he opened up the rest of the photo gallery and started looking through and found what he thought was child pornography. And so attempted to notify the command that night uh, for whatever reasons, un, unclear in the opinion why, wasn't able to reach anybody. So the next morning, early the next morning, notifies the command and they notify CID. And so they uh, bring uh, the accused down to CID for questioning and seize his phone. Uh, the accused invokes uh, his, when he gets to CID, but he does consent to a search of his phone. And as a result, they find child pornography um, and charge him with one specification of child pornography. Uh, at trial, the defense moved to suppress um, the evidence of the pictures, and the military judge granted the defense motion on really kind of three bases. One, there was no common authority over the phone, so that's a that's a doctrine um, that would allow a person who has control of a premises, say, or an object, to give consent to search that thing or that place to law enforcement. So uh, that is really the main part of this case. And then the military judge said, even if uh, PFC Avery did not actually consent, so even if there was common authority, 
he didn't actually consent to the more expansive search by the first sergeant. So what the judge was saying is he showed the first sergeant the pictures of the clothed women um, thinking that was the misconduct, and the first sergeant looked at that. POC Avery didn't give consent for him to go into other areas of the phone, and so that was a, a second basis. that POC he, Avery, the friend, giving this sort of third-party uh, consent to search something that, that wasn't his. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And then the last piece of it was that the consent by the accused at CID for them to search his phone did not cure the taint of the illegal search that the first sergeant had done. Um, the government moved for reconsideration um, and argued that uh, inevitable discovery uh, should uh, permit the evidence to come into trial, and the judge um, shot that down to said no. Inevitable discovery does not apply here. So the government moved for an interlocutory appeal, which means that um, so the case isn't over, um, but we put the case on hold because the what the judge's decision would do is uh, is cause an end to this case. Right. Well, yeah. With the, the so we're talking interlocutory appeals. We're talking Article sixty two interlocutory appeal, which the government can do if, say, the military judge orders the suppression of important evidence. Right. If a military judge keeps out important evidence of the case, material evidence of the government's case, then the government can appeal that decision. They can make an effort to appeal that decision. Or if a military judge were to functionally dismiss a specification. They could appeal that. There's a couple other ways that the government can get these sort of middle of the trial appeals. And right, the reason for that is because if the if the military judge keeps this evidence out and it was that important to the government's case, then the case is over. That's why we have an interlocutory appeal like this for the government. Exactly. So so the government then after after the judge suppressed this critical evidence, right? It's probably the only evidence they would have had, this right. evidence on the phone, then the government chose to Appeal this under Article 62. All right, sir. Right. Take us off. And so ACCA, on, on that appeal, ACCA reversed and found that the military judge abused his discretion. They, they determined that there was common authority and that POC Avery had unlimited uh, access to the phone, giving him authority to give unlimited uh, consent for the search. Right. Their interpretation was this. Uh, while the judge took a an approach of where you were granted limited authority to look at a few things that excludes everything else. Aka said, well, it actually, you need to explicitly say you can't look here, and they didn't see that exactly. here, so they uh, they reversed, right? Right. And so then the question CAF was, po was posed uh, on appeal was whether Aka erred in its abusive discretion standard. Um, but in doing so, they look all the way back to the military judge's decision and what they held was the military judge did not abuse his discretion. So they reversed CAF. Um, uh, the, the CAF reversed ACA. Exactly. So, well, let's let's pick that up real quick just to just to talk about this, uh, just to talk about the appellate posture of this case. So the so because so good news first, right for the accused. Military judge suppresses critical evidence. Great day for him, right for for Black. But the government appeals it in the middle of the trial. ACA says. Bad news accused. We disagree with the judge. We think the judge abused his discretion. And that's critical in this case, that standard of review that the appellate courts are using. They found that the judge actually was outside the left and right scope of the judge's uh, 
reasonable decision-making power here. They thought stepped outside of that. And so then at that time, bad news for the accused, the accused can appeal to the Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces. The accused did, convinced his way into that court, and the CAF did what, sir? Now we're there. So they held that the military judge did not abuse his discretion in suppressing the evidence. Uh, and so then they talked about the standard of review at an inter- interlocutory appeal, and it's when the evidence is viewed in the light most favorable to the prevailing party, the court is, and the court is bound by the military judge's factual findings unless unsupported by the record or clearly erroneous, right? So it's a pretty high burden for, um, you know, the government to meet. A it's a high judge. deference to the military judge for exactly. sure. And you said they don't care. They do, it's, We pierce the veil. The calf pierces the the appellate veil there. They don't really consider what how ACCA ruled. They're looking at the judge's decision in the light most favorable to the prevailing, the prevailing party, which here was black. Right. And they, and they say several times in the opinion, uh, and there's a quote, although we might have reached a different conclusion, we are mindful that there must be more than a mere difference of opinion to establish an abuse of discretion. Yeah, you get, and that's important. That's important for our purposes here, sir. Right, and if folks go out and read this case closely, you get the impression from this maybe the calf, if given the facts that the judge had, maybe would have come to a different conclusion. Right, right? but they are operating under this very deferential standard of review, the abuse of discretion, and so let's talk about their analysis. Yeah, and, and you know, when we read all of these cases, the standard of review is so important. Whenever it's a clearly erroneous standard or an abuse of discretion standard, there's going to be a lot of deference given to the decisions of the lower court. And so and so that's kind of the backdrop of the court's decision. So they address the common authority, and they spend most of their time talking about the issue of common authority. Um, and what they say is the scope of common authority isn't coextensive with a person's access to the property. So just because PFC Avery had the phone, and ostensibly, no restrictions, no physical restrictions, no password restrictions, nothing blocked his ability to go into any other areas of the phone. Um, that doesn't mean he has common authority over the whole phone. And say they, uh, the CAF said courts should consider whether the defendant or the accused manifested intention to restrict access. And so uh, what they looked at was here... Um, and that's why going back to what we talked about right off the bat, when the accused gave PFC Avery specific uh, permission to make phone calls, to send text messages, to play games, and to watch YouTube, um, that's what the judge found was the extent of the authority that the defendant gave to PFC Avery. And, and what the CAF said was the military judge did not misapply the law. When he held that the defendant restricted access without res- without expressly telling PSC Avery what he was not allowed to do with the phone, and so that's that's where this case comes down, um, and it easily could have gone the other way, like you just said, right? That uh, you know a a different judge would have been exactly right, not suppressing the evidence and finding there was common authority uh, despite those facts. Well, especially because like you gave him the password, right? You gave him the phone and there's sort of, you know, there's certainly a tension there. Here's, here's everything. You have access to it by just pushing a button. You don't need any more input from me. And certainly there's a reasonable interpretation that that gives someone this sort of expansive common authority that, that 
the ACA found. But also, I mean, like, you know, you think about just how you would interpret, how you interpret the law. If I tell you you can do three things or four things, if you do something that I haven't included, it seems like you're overstepping the authority I gave you, right? Like, you make this, think about if this were a house. I say you can go in the dining room and the kitchen and the bathroom. Maybe I'm upset if you go in the basement, right? I haven't given you authority there because I, it's implicit in me tell in me specifying where you can go that you cannot go to the places that I don't mention. So right. it's not unreasonable, right? Is that, and that's it. We can have a reasonable difference of opinion about here, and that's what the CAF focuses on. Yeah, and um, and I'm just trying to find the the case that CAF talks about it, 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 the exact thing. So U.S. v. Reister are. You know, they were faced with a similar question, and it was where the friend was given access to an accused apartment, and the issue was whether the the friend who had common access to the entire depart, uh, uh, apartment um, had authority to uh, to uh, consent to the search of a logbook that was placed that was on a bookshelf. And in the court there said the question was, you know, whether the logbook was in a place that was impliedly off limits to the third party. And that's really the issue here was the, the accused gave PFC Avery express authority to do four things with the phone. And so the military judge and then CAF said that was not an abuse of discretion. The military judge said the rest of the phone was impliedly off limits. And so that was the basis for suppressing uh, the you know, the uh, images that were uh, charged in this case. Um, then CAF turned to the inevitable discovery issue. So under MRE 311C2, um, even if there is an unlawful search, uh, if the evidence would have been found through inevitable discovery, uh, then that will overcome the the unlawful nature of the search. But to... Uh, succeed on this point, the government has to prove by a preponderance of evidence that at the time of the unlawful search, government agents were taking action or pursuing leads that would have led them to the inevitable discovery, even in the absence of the unlawful conduct. Uh, the military judge found the uh, CID agent's testimony to be, um, I guess, unpersuasive at best or or uh, incredible uh you know, giving it the... Yeah, well, let's break that down a little bit because, so the inevitable discovery argument by the government is that on this phone, you see the the swiping action, okay, you see a picture that seems improper, right? Not illegal. There was nothing about, and, the, and that's important here, is that it wasn't a violation of 120 Charlie or 117 Alpha. There was no nudity in it. It wasn't it wasn't just by its nature an improper picture. It just maybe a little – you get queasy looking at it. Why are you taking pictures of people that aren't paying attention? That was the concern. But it wasn't necessarily a crime to do that. Right. And so then when you said the judge found the CID agent's testimony not credible, it meant that the military judge didn't think that CID would have pursued an investigation into that phone based on just oh, – I saw a picture of of a of a service – member in the unit from behind and it looks like kind of this surreptitious picture the the judge found in the CAF agreed that that was that would not have inevitably led to a probable cause search authorization of this phone that would have then justified searching into the other files and then finding this 
this child pornography. Right. And, <laughs> and then kind of in, in the next section where they talk about the sufficient attenuation, you know, they CAS specifically says that CID would not have been interested in pursuing an investigation just based on the images of the clothed uh, service members. And so, um, you know, the military judge in CAF quickly uh, dealt with the inevitable discovery issue and said there was no there was no investigation uh, going on by CID at the time that the first sergeant unlawfully searched the phone, and there would have been no in investigation based on these uh, pictures of the clothed female service members, and so that's why there was no inevitable discovery in this case. And then the last kind of last ditch uh, by the government was there was they said well the accused consented to the search when he went to CID the next morning, and so there was uh, kind of this idea that there was a sufficient attenuation between the unlawful search and then the consent given by the accused, um, and the court you know looking at Brown v Illinois U.S. Supreme Court case there's three factors that they're going to look at to determine whether there is sufficient attenuation. The first is the temporal proximity of the unlawful search to the subsequent consent. So in this case, it was only three hours, right? So the search was done virtually in the middle of the night. They woke the kid up. They brought him to CID the next morning. The second is whether the, there's any presence of intervening circumstances, uh, such as CID was, was going to be doing an investigation anyway. In this case, CAF said, the pictures of clothed women would not have interested CID. They would have just declined to investigate this thing. And then uh, the last element is the purpose and flagrancy of the misconduct. Here, uh, CAF said there was no bad intentions on the part of the first sergeant. Um, however, they did find that his actions were avoidable and unlawful. And so based on the three brown factors, um, there was not sufficient attenuation between the unlawful search and the consent given the next morning to save the search. And so the evidence uh, goes back. Uh, the military judge's decision is upheld. The evidence will be suppressed. And uh, in this case, we'll die on, it, die on the vine. Right. All right. Great, sir. Yeah, so useful. Yeah, keep that in the back of your mind if you're thinking about citing to black and saying, hey, this is the standard for, this is exactly what common authority is. It may not be that, right? Because again, this was a this was a case about whether the judge stepped outside of, of, those, of those reasonable decision-making limits, and it's not that, but maybe this isn't the idea. Maybe there, there is some wiggle room there in third-party consent, but here, Article 62, no luck for the government. Yeah, and I think that you know, for the for the um, folks who are advising commands or down at the unit level, to me, the takeaway here is make sure we're training uh, folks at the unit on what searches are, and in in letting them know like where they need to go if they think there's misconduct. This first sergeant should not have just gone and done this on his own. Um, there was no reason for him to have just opened the phone and start fishing around in there without talking to somebody uh, about what is the proper way to do it. And so I think, you know, based on this case, if I were at a unit, I would be probably setting up some legal training to make sure that people in those 
positions of authority understand what's a search uh, and what they can and can't do and, uh, you know, and train them that their default needs to be get a lawyer involved. Um, you know, that would have saved this whole thing probably uh, from, you know, and maybe there would have never been a, a case because if there was in the end, at the end of the day, no probable cause based on the clothed pictures of the women, it would not have been discovered. Um, yeah, but, right. That's the that was sort of the inevitable discovery analysis. Right. Is like, hey, you wouldn't have gotten probable cause based on having some pictures. Yeah. But let's say you did, right? Let's say a yeah. magistrate looks at that and says, you know what? I think that there's enough chance that based on these uh, pictures of these women that appear to have been taken without their knowledge, they're focused on their buttocks. Um, that leads me to a reasonable basis to believe there may be nude photos of service members taken without their knowledge. And so they could have gotten into the phone that way if they had actually gone to a magistrate. But unfortunately, in this case, because of the, uh, you know, I guess well-intentioned but misguided uh, efforts of that first sergeant, uh, we don't know how this case could have come out differently if things had been done right on the front end. Right. It happens. Retrain. All right. Excellent. Final thoughts? That's it. Train. (laughs) Train and retrain. (laughs) All right. Great. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of the Criminal Law Department Presents podcast. If anything you heard sparked a thought, we'd love to connect with you. Your comments help us create better future content for the field or the fleet. Reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. The information can be found in the show notes for today's episode. The views expressed in today's podcast are those of the presenters and not necessarily the Judge Advocate General's Corps, the Department of the Army, or the Department of Defense. Thanks, counsel, for both sides. And the court will stand in recess until further order of the court.